This is January 24th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Hey now, you're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Hey, this is Dave Pastrnak. Can we listen to the Bruins Beat? Only shooting stars, break the mold. It's a cool place. Well, folks, yeah, David Pasternak, the only all-star for the Bruins. There are a couple other guys, of course, that could have gone. I think that are worthy. Of course, Patrice Bergeron being one of them. Um, but he's the man going to the all-star game. Uh, he'll be there uh, this weekend in San Jose representing the Bruins. And what a what a season he's off to. And we're going to get into that in a bit and so much more with our, our guest joining us here from Bruins Daily. He's Matt Castle. Matt, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, Matt. And before we uh, we get into talking a little David Pasnack and the season he's having, and then, of course, we're going to get into our first ever uh, Bruins Beat Inbox where we answer questions from you, the listeners and fans, uh, I want to remind our I want to remind our listeners here that we are brought to you uh, by ZipRecruiter. All right? And I'm sure you guys know by now what ZipRecruiter is, but if not, let me just remind you. And you know what? You know what's not smart? Job boards that send you candidates that aren't qualified for the role you posted. All right? But you know what is smart? Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BostonBeat to hire the right person. That's right. ZipRecruiter.com slash BostonBeat, and you can hire the right person. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to identify people with the right skills, education, and experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers, employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, like I said, you, the employer, can go to ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash BostonB. That's right. If you love this show, The Bruins Beat, Show your support to it and ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com, B-O-S-T-O-N-B-E-A-T. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Boston B. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. Well, you know what, Matt? Hopefully some employees are going to uh, ZipRecruiter.com, and I hope they, they see it for you and hire you because you're doing a great job over there at uh, Bruins Daily, Matt, and uh, what's it been like? This is your first season uh, up here covering uh, the Boston Bruins. Uh, you're from the Massachusetts area, right? I am. I'm from North Row, Mass. And uh, the first season, it's going great. I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, went out to the Winter Classic for a pretty exciting game. So I'm really enjoying it. Okay. And I know uh, you were down, you went to Penn State and actually was there when uh, Sarah Sivian, who we've had on this uh, podcast a couple times. She's now with the Athletic Carolina. Um, you were down there covering the Penn State hockey team, right? I am. They're a pretty young program, but they're uh, they're up and coming. Followed them for about three years. NCAA championships, Big Ten, all that good stuff. So, yeah, go Nittany Lions. Well, I was telling you, Matt, off air, I was kind of telling you about my career track, and uh, like I said to you there, it's yeah, that's pretty cool to you know right out of college you're uh, you're hopping into a a beat on an NHL team and 
you know, geez, at your age, I was uh, I was hopping into too many pubs out in Amherst and Holyoke and Northampton as a student at UMass <laughs> instead of at, <laughs> at DD Garden. So, man, consider yourself lucky. Keep up the good work, brother. And one man that continues to keep up the good work, I mean, exceptional work. And, look, we all knew David Pasnack was is something special. And, you know, we saw him. Uh, he's had unbelievable seasons as of late. And he kind of really broke out. In last year's series against the Maple Leafs, he was a, like just a rock star, uh, and, and he's gone on. He's having a great season right now, Matt. And you know, I he kind of he's he's headed to the All Star Weekend right now. But the problem is, he might be the most unknown All Star in the city he plays in in the NHL. And he's in a major sports city, and he's in a hockey city, therefore. <laughs> but to me, the city of Boston is just they're not embracing. What I believe to be, in terms of personality, kind of the second coming of uh, Armour Jagger at the end of his career, um, and he is Czech, of course, uh, and then in terms of, I mean, this guy's right up there. If we're looking at superstars in this city right now, he's right up there with Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, with, with Mookie Betts, uh, with all those guys, you know. Tom Brady? Well, I'm not, not going to put him there yet. Let's slow down a bit. But, uh. Let's say Julian Edelman, okay, uh, when it comes to the Patriots. But, I mean, he's a superstar right now. This, this guy is a That's superstar in this city. And, and yes, I'm calling you out right now, fellow Bruins reporters. need to give this guy more love and need to get his name to be a common name that's brought up in, in pubs, uh, you know, when people are talking sports. I mean, uh, you agree with me here that this guy needs a little more love? Absolutely. I mean, the NHL kind of – proved your point they didn't even put him on the all-star ballot to begin with which is like the most insane thing of all time the guy he's got 56 points so far this season mm-hmm. he's on pace for 50 goals hasn't been done in the Bruins history in a while like the guy's an absolute stud if you saw the uh what the Bruins put out the other day when uh David Backus was doing the Bruins accent he's like David Pasternak are you kidding me three goals he doesn't even know what he's doing on the ice like the guy's a stud He's probably, outside of Anders Bjork, the fastest guy on the team. And he's only, like, 22, which is insane. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's, uh, that's, yeah, I was having that conversation with Hagsman. And we were like, oh, shoot, he's only 22, man. That's good. I mean, he, he literally uh, has just, he, he's become one of those players where every time he steps on the ice, you're looking for something to happen that's exciting. You're, look, you're looking for that whoa moment, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, he's got dangles, uh, mitts of marinara, as Bucci would say. But, like, one of the things that he's kind of adopted has been the Ovechkin top of the left circle power play bomb where he just unloads an absolute haymaker of a slap shot. And he's leading the league in power play goals. So it's like every time the uh, PP1 is on the ice, it's just like he's always a threat. And it's fantastic to watch. Yeah, it's unreal. And I don't want to get into whether he should be on the line with Krejci or not. We'll figure that out after the trade deadline, depending on what uh, Don Sweeney does. But, yeah, David Pasnack off to San Jose. Congratulations to him. He deserves deserves a lot more respect, uh, like Matt and I are saying. 27 goals, 29 assists, 56 points. As Matt said, 13 power play goals, 27 power play points. Uh, in 49 games played. He hasn't missed a game yet this year, too. 
and one of the uh, maybe one of the only stars on this team that hasn't missed a game. Uh, I mean, it's it's been unreal how hampered they have been with injuries. But you know what? Uh, good for him. I'm happy to see it. And he's going to be great for the NHL too. I almost feel like, <coughs> excuse me, from everything I saw with the way the Toronto media responded to him last year, and then also when he was down at the uh, the NHL media tour back in September, it's almost like the NHL's embraced him more than Boston has. So, you know what, Boston, if you're listening, get with it. Appreciate this guy, man. Celebrate him. And, and man, he's such a funny interview. He's just, he's just got this yeah. <laughs> perfect dry check humor. So, I mean, guys, are, he's got the... It's got the world by what did I say the the oyster comment. I'm so I'm getting old. I'm forgetting these things, man. The world is his oyster, is what they like to say. That and that's where he is right now at age 22. Uh, and and what a what a friendly deal he's on too for the Bruins right now. When you oh, have players, uh, well, he's got four years left at 6.6 million. Uh, that is turning out to be probably Don Sweeney. No, not probably. That is Don Sweeney's best uh, move yet. I think since he has been. Uh, at GM of the Boston Bruins. Um, well, listen, we don't have a sponsor yet, so if you are listening and you own a company and you want to maybe get involved with the Bruins beat and, and reach a great hockey, uh, passionate audience, uh, you're going to want to sponsor our, our new, brand-new section that we're bringing up right now, and it's called the uh, Bruins Beat Inbox. And that's where, you know, each week I'll go on Twitter, I'll throw it out there, and you can DM me too on Twitter at Murphy's Law 74 or hit us up at Bruins CLNS. Uh, you know, you, we're going to just ask you to send in any question you have regarding the Bruins, or it could even be on the NHL. I don't care. I, keep, I pay attention to everything. So if you want to ask me something, hey, we're talk about former Bruins GM Peter Chiarelli getting fired in the second period of a game. What a shit show Edmonton is. Not, not that he didn't deserve it, Matt, but I mean, they're just a mess, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what they're doing is they're trying to get the most out of the uh, McDavid uh, years here. So I think the move had to be made, but obviously it's tied to the Bruins. Uh, you know, it should have been done. Yeah. They should have just, I mean, I know they don't want him with his uh, hand on the wheel at the deadline, but it's still just, uh, it was so weird the way it was done. Anyhow, um, tough. You know, look, I don't like seeing anyone lose his job. He did deserve it. He did a horrible job. I uh, also left the Bruins with some uh, hefty contracts that they had to, you know, climb out of. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I don't like anybody seeing like, them losing their job that way. It's just tough to watch. But, hey, let's talk some Bruins right now. Let's get into our first ever Bruins beat inbox, and Matt's going to answer the questions with me. So, <coughs> man, my throat's killing me today. We're going to start off with uh, Alec Bai. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Sorry, Alec. Um, it's at Alec, at A-L-E-C underscore B-A-G-8. And I know he follows me. We, we communicate a lot on Twitter. Um, so, Matt, I'll let you take this one first. He says, the NHL Bruins need a third-line center, a solid scoring uh, first, maybe move past next to the Krejci line or a second-line wing. Who are the main targets that stand out that they can acquire, and what would it take to get them? I'll let you uh, give a guy that you're looking at. Well, I think one of the main names that has come up has been Wayne Simmons from Philadelphia. Uh, he can be right in uh, second line left winger. The only problem is with any trade, you're going to have to give up something to get something. 
And what you're looking at is probably one of your young prospects in Danton Heinen, Donato, JFK, and then maybe a pick, too. And you don't know if Wayne Simmons is going to be here long-term, one-year rental. We see how that's gone in the past. So, honestly, I don't mind giving up a guy like JFK. Hand up. I have not been high on him, especially when you have a guy like Stanika in the uh, the farm system. But that's uh, Wayne Simmons, probably second-line left winger um, in my eyes. Wayne Simmons. I, yeah, see, I'm with you. Like, the only thing I don't like about Simmons is that he's a rental. All right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they're, they're bringing him back. He is at age 30, and the way he plays, his body's only going to wear down even more. Um, I would love him here. I mean, if you can do it without giving up a first-round pick, uh, you know. It's tough, though, because in any trade, you're going to have to give up something you don't want to give up. That's just how course, it works. I mean, Of course, but I, <laughs> I know they're going to pick late, Matt, but this is one of the best yeah. drafts in recent memory. I mean, they're, put, they're comparing this draft potentially to be like the 2003 draft, which in my eyes is the best draft since I've been covering the game uh, since 2002. Uh, they're comparing it to that, you know, and so no matter where you pick in the first round, even in the second round, you're going to get some really good players. And after you yeah, get the last year, I, I just can't see Sweeney doing it. So I think the only way he does, I think he's actually more willing to give up the likes of a, you know, a Dan Heinen or a JFK. I think he would have definitely given up Anders Bjork if he hadn't been hurt so much and he wasn't out for the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then maybe one of these prospects on D, we'll see. Uh, I, I would love Simmons. I think he'd be a great fit, but I just, I don't know if it happens because I really think Philly's going to be hell-bent on a first-round pick there, especially where they're trying to retool so quick. And uh, Chuck Fletcher's a good GM, too. He's tough to deal with, so we'll see what happens. I'm looking at Brandon Chen. And, you know, I reported a few weeks ago that they were in some pretty serious talks with them. I know that's, uh, as of the last week, not just those talks, but a lot of talks kind of died down um, because a lot of teams are in their scouting needs. And so – they actually had done all their research and they're coming back to do their final evaluations and suggestions to their GMs. But the one thing that happened last week, and I'm sure you noticed, Matt, being at the games, was that St. Louis just happened to be here, right? Yep. And their assistant GM, uh, their vice president of hockey operations, their director of pro scouting, and two other scouts uh, decided yep. a couple days early and watch the Bruins play the Canadians and then, of course, stick there for the St. Louis game. <laughs> so that's – not only is that two games right there where they're in the same press box as the Bruins' whole organization who are having their scouting meetings here in Boston. Most most people do them, like, you know, in, in Florida or Arizona, but, you know, Jeremy Jacobs, but we won't get into that. Uh, you know, there, so that means you had all the Bruins scouts – and management there, and then that huge contingent from the Blues. Oh, and by the way, on that Montreal Canadiens game, you also had Mark Bergevin there, and then you had two other hierarchies in their management uh, staff at the game as well. Their names escape me right now, but they were there as well. Don't tell me these guys didn't get together and talk there and maybe hit the pub after and shoot the breeze about some players. I'm not saying, like, you know, there's any trade imminent, but there had to be a lot of discussions going on. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. 
I think they're I think uh Sweeney's definitely weighing all his options too. I do you think a guy like Braden Shen puts the Bruins over the top? I think he puts them over the top more than a guy like uh Wayne Simmons, to be honest. Because he's more versatile where you can bounce him, you know, as our as Alec was asking there, what do we do about the uh you know, third line center and then the second line wing or maybe the first line wing if you're moving um, passing that back to the second, you're killing two birds with yeah. one stone with Braden Shen because you can use him Absolutely. at third line center and you can use him on the second line as well. You can move him through the first three lines. You can move him up and down, and then he can be on your power play. He can be on your PK. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, he's got another year left on his deal, right? So yeah, getting term. And like what you're saying, you're going to have to give to get. Well, if you're giving something you don't want to give, you're getting more with Braden Chen here because he's got one year left at 5.1. I think he should be their main target. I like that as a solution to Alex's uh, Alex question. Here. Let's go to the next question here. Uh, Bruins Cup Quest 2019, and he's at Rich G6567. Uh, he asks us, Matt, he says, do they have a really a realistic chance to trade for Vladimir Tarasenko? And if so, what would it cost? I'll let you take it first. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Blues, if I was the Blues, I wouldn't give Tarasenko away. But he's sneaky not had the best of season. So I don't know if they have any plans to give him away. He's only got 31 points this season. Um, but I think the Blues would want to hold on to him. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I mean – it's going to take a whopper of a deal to pry him away. I know that they had said he's fair game there. But now, I mean, you had Darren Drager yesterday. I mean, this applies to Shen, too. We should mention this. I mean, Darren Drager yesterday is telling TSN 690 in Montreal that the Blues are in buy mode now. When only a few weeks ago, they were in, like, anybody's available. Sell everything. Yeah, take your pick. And now, all of a sudden, they <laughs> think that they're in, uh, they're going to make the playoffs. they they got to come to reality. That's not a playoff team. They're a just-miss mediocre team right now that if I was them, I would try and move a guy like Tarasenko. I would try and move a guy like Shen. I would try and move a guy like Peter Angel. I would try and move uh, Pariaco. I would try to move all these guys. Like, send a big message, like, that reverberates throughout the team and throughout the locker room. Like, anyone is fair game. And you guys have not lived Mm -hmm. up to expectations. And because of that, this guy's getting traded here. You already got a – a coach fired. Now we got to basically reshape our organization. Send a message loud and clear. Don't kid yourself that you're a playoff team if you're Doug Armstrong right now. But all that being said, if he does decide to deal Tarasenko, it's going to take. We, we're talking about first rounder. I'm yeah, gonna, it's going to take a lot more. He, yeah, I think he's going to say, "Give me your first this year, and next." Oh, and give me um, Zaboro uh, or Lousin. All right. Yeah. Um, give me uh, Dan Vladar, the goalie, because they need a goalie. We know that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, oh, and, and give me a good roster player like a Jake DeBrusque. And then, yeah, we'll call it a deal. And Don Sweeney's going to be like, uh, dude, no you just, like, gutted my system here. Uh, oh, you want Taras Thaco? That's what it's going to cost. I, I don't see it realistic right now. I just don't. I don't, I don't either. And to touch on the Jake DeBrusque thing, I don't think if I'm the Bruins, I'm not giving up DeBrusque for maybe Connor McDavid. Yeah. That's hyperbole, but I don't want to give DeBrusque away for anything. Well, you know what? We bring him up, and I don't know if you've noticed, uh, for whatever reason, I think it's unwarranted. 
He's been he's been in the doghouse with Cassie the last month. Yeah, and what absolutely. And the thing he's playing hurt, and and you know Cassidy calls him out. What game was that? Was it um when did Krejci tie the game at the end? Was it against Montreal and they lost in overtime? Yeah. Okay. Fifteen seconds later. Yeah. Right. And and so DeBrusque is down there low creating a screen, and so after the game, Cassidy's saying, "Oh well, he's not he's not living up to our expectations." And then we go in the locker room, and Krejci's saying, I don't score that goal without Jake DeBrusk. Uh, which is it here? You know? It was really interesting. Well, and, and I thought, and, call me crazy, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but just one sec. The way he's been talking about DeBrusk lately makes me wonder, okay? And this is just me hypothesizing, just crazy conspiracy theory here. Is he trying to pave the way for a trade PR wise. Are they considering him in a, in a deal, right? And and therefore they know there's gonna be a backlash. Like you said you're you're, you're just telling us you wouldn't even trade him for Connor McDavid. Okay? <laughs> I would I would trade him for Connor McDavid though. Okay, but you know what I mean, like like a lot of fans out there really value Jake DeBrus. And if they trade him and it's not for a superstar, there's going to be a lot of negative PR coming in. So I'm looking at this, and I keep noticing him throwing the brush repeatedly under the bus. And I'm like, I wonder if a little of this is coming from above. And, and yeah, they're challenging the player. Okay, maybe that's what they, that's all they're doing. But keep an eye on that. Let, let's see if he continues to do that, even when DeBrusque has a good game like he did against Montreal. If he keeps knocking him, even after good games, then something's up there as we get to the deadline. It's something to keep an eye on, in my opinion. I agree, too, because that was the first time he'd, he'd kind of, like, slammed any, like, member of, like, the, I would say the Bruins' top five, where you have, obviously, the perfection line. And then he always said David Krejci and Jake DeBrus have, like, great chemistry, and they're pretty much solidified in their roles, and we're just trying to mess around with the second-line left winger. And yeah. then out of nowhere, he after that game, he was just like, he hasn't been living up to our expectations. And I think that's somewhat unwarranted because I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. You take Jake DeBrusque, uh, he's tied for third on goals uh, on the Bruins. Like, the Bruins don't have anyone that, that can score. He's tied with Patrice Bergeron with 14 goals. You take him off the team, you only have four people that are in double-digit goals. So, yeah. I mean... If he's not living up to your expectations, then is half the team? Is not, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're going to call him, I'll call up Bergeron. That's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It, it's crazy. He did not deserve to be called out, all right? And, you know, I, I'm going to say this right now, okay, because I have nothing against Cassie. I love him as a reporter. He's amazing for us. He's honest. He's great. Uh, he's very accommodating. Seems like a great guy. Um, and, and by the way, at this point, he's in my top three for Jack Adams because of the injuries they've had and the fact that they're still where they are in the standings, to me, is amazing. Um, but that being said, in the last couple weeks, I've also had a lot of questions with his moves and his comments after the game. And there was another mm-hmm. comment. I don't mean to – and we apologize to our, our questions here. We'll get to the remaining four. I don't uh, – need to veer too off the, the track here, but 
There was an interesting comment. I'm going to find it right now, Matt. And, you know, I wanted to write about this, and I don't know if you did or you noticed it. Uh, it's in the transcripts from their last game before the break when they lost to the Rangers. So that would have been – okay, here we go. I believe it was his first – okay, so you got all these questions about Rask, obviously. Um Oh, and by the way, I'm hearing Rask is doing well. He should be okay by the time they get back. But being that it's a concussion, you know, we'll see. Um, okay. So somebody asked, I don't know, maybe you remember. I wasn't there that night. Uh, somebody asked Cassidy uh, if he's going to have a conversation with his team about scoring a goal and then not giving one right back to the other team in the following shifts. And he replies, I quote, you know, I think there comes a time. Pause. We have Stanley Cup champions in the room. We talk about leadership with this team all the time and how good it is, and it didn't change today. But at some point, it does have to come from within that, hey, you know what? You learn from your previous things you need to correct. You usually learn from. We've done a good job with that, just not lately coming out of scoring goals. So I have to take a long look in the mirror to see if I'm putting the right people out there in the ice after but I'd like to think all of our guys are good players, and you're kind of sticking with that matchup. Um, and I'm just kind of looking. But the thing, okay, and then at the end of this, he says, you know, things crept into the game again tonight. I was asked this morning, would our focus be on, you know, maybe it was on the break, but I don't want to use that as a crutch because it's happened to us. How many games now? Four, five, six. We've kind of let let off the gas, got comfortable, maybe thought it was going to be an easy shift. The next one and wanting to extend the lead but not playing the right way. So there's a lot of those things that go into it. We'll address it, but you're not a teacher to the student that listens, right? That's kind of part of it. We have to buy in. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you catch the beginning of that? Did he just call out his leadership core? He might have. I mean, I think he's he's putting everyone on notice there. I I think he's right, though. They The Bruins... They've had a problem recently, uh, just immediately after. Like, look at that Washington game, where it's like, that was like a playoff atmosphere. They're battling the whole way. They get even twice, erase two one-goal deficits, and then boom. Yeah. It's so deflating. So I think if you want – if the Bruins – the Bruins are in a win-now mode. They have the, like, talent to, like, make a deep playoff run. But the, the thing is they're going to run into some good teams, like a Washington – most likely at Toronto and uh, Tampa Bay, obviously. Um, and if they want to beat those teams, like, everyone's got to buy in, and that starts with the, the top line, too. So I I think there's truth to what he's saying, but it, it's just weird to hear him say it. Yeah, but here's the thing, Matt. Here's the fine line you got to walk. Now, listen, I'm working on a, um, a feature right now on Kevin Miller for uh, his school where he went and played hockey. Uh, high school hockey or prep school hockey at Berkshire, right? And so I had to do this long, extensive interview with him. You know, we got talking. We must have been on the phone for about an hour. And um, but one of the we just got talking about coaches and who's had influences on him. You know, he brought up Cassidy, and he's like, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that him and I haven't uh, had our heated battles and, you know, had to air it out, so to speak. But the one thing I appreciate is his honesty. And, you know, whether it's whether it's going to, it, 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 it's going to rub you the wrong way or not, he's still going to be honest with you. You know, and he's always, he's always going to tell you what's on his mind. And, and he was kind of like, you know, maybe at times he could have a little filter, but he's going to be honest. 
and I respect that. Okay, and I agree with Kevin Milner, and I, I, I think that's a good quality to have as a coach. It's rare in this day and age, right, Matt? Because, and this is no offense yep. to players your age or just the way your generation or maybe even the generation between mine and yours showing my age here is, you know, the culture now. I'm not going to say they get baby, but I think everybody's very sensitive about what is said, and maybe that's what we're being right now. Um, yeah. But he needs to walk a fine line when he's discussing if the likes of Chara and Bergeron and Krejci, all right, uh, and to an extent Tuca, are, are doing their job as leaders. Because the second he loses them, I don't, I don't think he's even close to that yet, you would hope. But if he loses them, this team goes nowhere. They tank. That's it. Yeah. They are done. Because the respect that the younger guys that are more your age in that locker room, I know from talking to them, okay, the respect they hold for Char and a Bergeron and Krejci, the way they look at them, okay, is probably the way you look at them as a fan before you became a reporter. Like, they're like, holy shit, I'm playing the same Patrice team. Bergeron. Yeah, I'm in the same dress room as Patrice Bergeron. He's my freaking teammate. What the? I'm going to listen to anything. And, and to an extent, I would imagine they listen to Bergeron and Chara more than they listen to Cassidy. You know? Yeah. It's just the way it is. So the second you lose those guys, you're screwed. And I know knowing Cassidy, and like Miller said, he's honest, I know that he comes, you know, he goes to them usually. I don't. I mean, I, I don't have a recorder in the locker room, so I don't know if, if he does it every time. But from what I'm told from that leadership core that they appreciate about, appreciate about him is that everything he comes out, like if he's going to come out and call something out like he did there, he tells them first. It, when he goes in the dressing room, yeah. he tells them. He says, look, this is what I'm feeling, and I'm going to tell the media this. I'm just giving you a heads up. And if you want to say something before I do it, then let, let's get it out now, all right? But I want to give you the, the heads up that I'm doing this. So I think that's cool. I don't know if he did that that time or not, but he's just – he's got to walk a fine line there. And that was the first time where I really was, like, questioning Cassie. I was like, whoa, slow down, buddy. Time for you to look yourself in the mirror. And he did. He, he held himself accountable, but he needs to – there's a lot of things he's been not doing well lately too. So, I don't know. It was just interesting to me. We'll see what happens with that. Um, here's another question. This one comes from at DeLuca1420. Do you think Solaric can be the second line right wing all year and into the playoffs? I'm going to give a quick no. What do you think, Matt? I'm going to be hesitant and say it remains to be seen. We've only seen a small sample size from him. I liked what I've seen, but I don't think that he can be your long, long-term long fix. I think they they might have to go for a trade. I, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't too, think it's too early to say. I think he could come in and help the third line out. I, I, think, I think JFK, I mean, I know, he, I know Solaris on the center, but – JFK has no business being in the NHL right now. They need they need to put him back in Providence or trade him. One of the he, he's just not. Yeah. Right. Um, I think he could he could stick. He could you know kind of be not a black ace, but a, a guy that is up and down from the press box. I think he's he's kind of headed towards that. Uh, next question: 
at Chris underscore Blackie asks us, has there been any new developments in the Shen Talks? Well, we kind of went over that. It's really it's quiet right now. Um, I'm sure there'll be some chatter during the break, but uh, I think a lot of teams are in sort of that final evaluation before they go out and really put their offers on the table. So nothing new there right now, Chris. Uh, at James underscore Oglesby78 says, uh, are you hearing any trade chatter with the Brewers? Well, yeah, I think we've discussed that. You know, we're hearing what you're hearing, the, the Shen, the Simmons, uh, Michael Furlin's been a name linked to them. Uh, I heard that they have circled back to Ottawa on Matt Deshane and Mark Stone. We'll see what happens if they get signed there. Um, you know, knowing them, there's probably some name none of us know right now. You know, and that's the way I look at the Bruins. Yeah. You know, there's probably some name out there that none of us are thinking. I've been hearing a lot of chatter. I, you know, this guy, Dominic Piano, um, I know he's, he works in the eighth OHL. I can't think of what team, but he's been out there tweeting that the Bruins have had, uh, he's heard some Blackhawks Bruins stuff. And I think Brandon Sade would be a, a good guy maybe for the Bruins, as I know a lot of people have reported there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to pick up soon. Uh, final question we got here. It comes from at KRAM93291. This one, I I, I kind of see where he's going, but I kind of don't. I don't know. But, okay, so he obviously wants Riley Nash back. His question yeah. is, Riley Nash, parentheses three years, and John Moore, parentheses five years, make identical 2.75 million salaries. Nash will struggle offensively in Columbus, but is the ideal veteran 3C here. Moore is watching games in the press box. Wouldn't a more Nash trade make sense? Well, I'm going to take this one first here, Matt, and I'll let you get to it, but right out of the gate, I'm going to say not for Columbus. Not at all. Uh, Columbus has got a surplus of D, and I wouldn't be surprised if they trade a D at the deadline to get more forward depth. So I don't see Columbus wanting that deal. Uh, also, from the Bruins' perspective, with the injuries the Bruins have had, with them. Belief would they be without John Moore right now? Okay, yeah, he's riding the press box, but that's just the coach playing who's playing best at that current time. That can change any time. It's, it, it, it's not a permanent slight on him. It's not an indication that they don't think he fits in here. And when you sign a guy to five years like that, it's highly unlikely you're going you're gonna to trade him uh, three-quarters of the way through the first year. So, I, you know, I, I love Nash too, Mark. I, I, I love to see him back here in Boston, but it's not going to happen. You agree, Matt? I I agree. You hit all the boxes. I mean, Nash literally just left town. Moore just unpacked his bags. And Moore, like you said, has been a staple. And he's added to the Bruins' defensive depth, which is what they're going to need moving forward. I mean, him and Grizz are back and forth, but that that's I think that's going to help them. That's, that's the guy that every team wants. You mentioned right there, Matt Grizzly. And it sucks. Yeah. Because if the Bruins want to pull off a big deal – you know, people are going to say, well, what about Tory Krug? He's going to get traded. Yeah, Tory Krug, I, I'm predicting it now. I've predicted it before, and people think people think I'm saying they should. No, I'm not saying they should. I want him to stay. I think he's great for the team. I think he's great in the locker room. I think he's one of the, the best offensive D-men right now in the league. Great for the power play. But it's just it's the economy of the game right now. It's the economics of the game with the salary cap. They cannot afford to keep Tory Krug and Charlie McAvoy. They just can't. That's it. So, but that mm-hmm. won't happen now. That will happen in the off season, is is my guess. But Matt Grizzlick and his salary, Matt, don't you agree? I mean, that he's the, he's one I of mean, the trade chips you got right now. 
he's he's dynamite for sure. Again, he's he's been part of the reason the Bruins have been successful. Their defense has kept them afloat when they've struggled uh, scoring goals this year. I mean, they're they're tied for second uh, best goal differential or not goal differential goals allowed uh, per game, and having averaging two point six one a game, which is phenomenal for a team that can barely score. So their defense plus goaltending, I know people don't like to admit it, but Boston's goaltending has kept them afloat too. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And, you know, we want to wish our best to uh, Tuca too. Um, I spoke to his agent actually yesterday, and, I mean, he says he's feeling great. You know, he's feeling fine. He's okay. I mean, he had the usual symptoms right after. But uh, as of now, don't hold me to it, but as of now, uh, the the likelihood is they'll they'll bring him back and probably Halak might get the first two starts I would imagine, um, and then you'll see them go back to a rotation and then maybe Tuca regains the the top spot again. We'll see. Who knows? But yeah, they they've been great. Yeah. he's been great, and it's not the problem. And uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to get in. I I hate I can't do any more Tuca rants and how stupid people are <laughs> to treat him. It's, it's, yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. It really is. You know, it's interesting. I and I, I, you know, before we end this, I had spoken to um, a couple sources a few times over the last, I don't know, since since like the last draft. Uh, and I've heard this a few times. And I asked someone within the Bruins organization. I didn't get an answer. Um, and I asked the agent. Uh, who's Brett Peterson, and he said, no, I mean, as far as we know, that hasn't happened, and it would, it would likely have to come across my desk. Well, what I had heard happened, um, but apparently didn't, and Tuka's made this clear, and now his agent did too, is that uh, there was a trade on the table at the draft last year where uh, Tuka would have been dealt to Florida. Um, and you know, I was unable to confirm it, so apparently it never happened. And now he stressed. He said, "Look, there could have been trade talks. You know, these trade talks all the time." And he's like, "Yeah, the teams are always asking about Tuca, and of course the Bruins are doing their job exploring any trade that comes across the table. That's their job." Um, but I had heard that you know this deal got to the point where Tuca had vetoed it, and his agent said no. So if that story does, you know, come to the surface somewhere else, I'm telling you right now. Um, according to at least Rast side, that didn't happen, and obviously the agent would have to uh, see that. I do know, though, I definitely know that Florida did inquire, and, and did, I don't know who the players were, that, but they did make a pretty interesting offer, from what I was told from my Bruins source, uh, for Tuca, but apparently it never got to that point where the Bruins had to go and say, hey, will you will you go to Florida in a trade? So um, interesting stuff there, and his agent also stressed to me, he said, look, Tuca is so happy in Boston, and it's not even funny. He loves the fans, and yeah, does he get a lot of hell? He goes, look, you're an elite goalie. No, you know, if you're an elite goalie in the NHL, you're always going to get hell, and it's always going to be your fault. That's just part of the position. So he said Tuca's fine with that. So, um, you know, that's good to hear because I, I think he gets a lot of unwarranted bullshit, Matt. I don't know about you. No, absolutely. And he definitely uh... – he definitely down downplays it, but you can tell he gets frustrated sometimes in the locker room. With, I mean, just the way he sometimes answers questions very nonchalantly. Um, I, I think they they asked him what tying the record for most wins in Bruins history, 
uh, meant to him. He literally just was like, I tied the record, period. Straight face. Like, not a single ounce of emotion. Yeah, yeah. How about how about when he, like, and he knew what I was getting at because he must have known I, I had heard some of this stuff. Um, I had asked when he took the leave of absence, you know, and we didn't know what it was about, you know. And, hey, we're doing our job. We're trying to get to the bottom of something, right? And yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, he didn't take it. He didn't like it. And I guess he's fine with it now. But I had said, you know, um, you know, Tuca, I mean, you, you see, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unwarranted, like the stuff we're talking about. I said, there's a lot of that stuff out there. And, and you know, does it ever make you want to change a senior? And he just looked at me and goes, you're fishing, Murph. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know what, Tuca, that's my job as a reporter. I'm always going to be fishing, buddy, but maybe I need better bait. We'll see. But, uh, listen, good good having you on this uh, podcast, Matt, and uh, we want you to keep up the good job at Bruins Daily, all right? I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, this, hey, fun fact, this is the first podcast I've done uh, as a reporter for the Bruins, so job well done, I guess. Sweet, my friend, sweet. Hey. Was it the Bronx Tale or Goodfellas where they say, hey, you broke your cherry? Oh, you broke your cherry. Well, there you go. We broke your podcast. <laughs> all right. We're glad to have that honor now, Matt Castle, all right? All right. <laughs> have a good one, buddy. That's Matt Castle. You as well. And thank you to our uh, listeners and followers on Twitter there. Remember, at BruinsDLNS or at MurphyBlog74. Tweeting your questions uh, between now and our next episode. And uh, we'll do our best to read them and answer them over the podcast here. Uh, I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of Room 8. See you after the holiday. Yeah. Oh.